0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Hello. You all right? 1030, you're good to be in the house of the Lord? Come in underneath Jesus' name and be the glad people that just worship Him and all. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about today. Uh, I'm a little nervous, and I'll tell you why. Uh, The end of Ezekiel is pretty dry and boring, and if I just read it to you, you'd be like, this was horrible. And I know I'm not supposed to say that about the Bible, but there are times that you read it and you're like, I don't want to know about how many cubits that wall was, and how many cubits that wall was, and how many cubits that wall was. What's a cubit? I don't know. So there we go. And I just really want to sit ourselves like we came in in the name of Jesus, underneath that name, which means we're going to let the Word of God by the Spirit of God put weight on our lives. And sometimes we get so used to coming into a building like this that we forget that this Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and that God can use it to really do heart surgery. But I want to pause. Like, I just like to time out because my big thing, my, actually, it's a deal I have with God. I don't want to talk about Him until so I talk to Him. And I don't want to just use this as a transition. I want to sit I want to sit with you, my brothers and sisters, before the living God and say, Lord, speak. Can we do that? Can, we, can you like get, however you pray, maybe you pray like this, go ahead, I don't care. Maybe you're like, I got to get low. I don't go, I just, I'm just going to sit. And so Jesus, we just pause before we rush too fast, before we do anything else. We just, we want your voice, we want your word and give us ears to hear. I thank you for this very spiritual, beautiful thing we get to do every week. It it feels very physical sometimes. But it is a holy physical act that we ask that you would come and fill with spiritual power. So we just pause as you as your kids adopted by, by you, Jesus. Would you do heart surgery? Would you make our hearts like yours? I don't want to talk about you. I want to talk with you. And so we ask for your presence. We ask for your glory. We ask for you because with you there's life. And I thank you for every person in this room. You knew they'd be in this room this morning. You knew. You know everything about them. Would you minister to them, Holy Spirit? Would you reveal even things we don't even see yet? And so, Jesus, we exalt you. You are the risen, resurrected king who will live forevermore, holding the keys of life and death and hell itself. And so we come in victorious, celebrating your victory, Jesus. You are the king victorious, the king over heaven and earth. There's not a single atom or cell out of place. So in Jesus' name, you rule here. Any demonic stuff, shut up. The Lord reigns. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I love praying. I love talking to the Lord. Cool thing is, He hears us. He hears you. So you get to pray, and God hears you. That's a cool promise. So we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. Please open a Bible. I actually really love physical Bibles. I don't, I don't hate your iPhone version Bible, but there's something about having a real Bible in front of you that you can underline and come back to. God taught me that and write notes even as you get led and taught. Um, When we get into the book of Ezekiel, it's weird, man. It's full of visions and prophetic visions and dry bones coming to life. We talked about last week. The beginning of Ezekiel's ministry is a vision of God. He's sitting on a river. He's in exile. Remember, he used to be a priest. He used to be a priest, but now he doesn't have a temple. Therefore, he doesn't have a job. So you can't be a priest unless you have sacrifices to make, priestly duties to do. But when those things are taken from you, you're kind of like, what do I do? So they're sitting on the Kebar River, kind of mourning, I think, kind of like, woe is us. How dare God let this happen to us? And God's like, let me show you what I'm about. That's the start of this man's life. Now, what you'll notice is that the God's people have lost something very, very important. And it's not money, and it's not tangible and it's not walls around a city. So to apply it to us, what's the one thing you could lose that would just be like the worst? Right now, like tonight, you come home and you can't find, what is it? And you just lose your mind. Now, because we're a tech-addicted tech society, I guarantee you, you've had this moment happen. You kind of feel your pocket and notice that there's not a phone-shaped hole there. You're like, where, where is it? <laughs> oh my gosh, and you feel that? So already, you know what it feels like to be missing something, right? So when we talk about what are the people of God missing, I kind of have a declaration that I like to make. The people of God are God's people, right? So Christianity at its core, the point of it is God's presence. And if you're missing God's presence, you're missing something vitally more important than an iPhone. Even if you went home tonight and your car wasn't in the driveway, God's presence is more important than that. That'd be a big one, right? You go home, the family's not there, you're like, missing my family. I don't think anybody here is like, hmm. But infinitely more important to the Christian, to the Old Testament covenant believers is the presence of the Lord. And I'll I'll, I'll back it up with scripture. In the garden, you have Adam and Eve, and he puts them in a garden and they're naked and unashamed. I like that part. I like to bring it up. But who else is with God? Who else is with Adam and Eve in the garden? I just said it. God! Satan's also there. Thank you, Grandma. So, not Satan, God. God's there, right? And that's the beauty of it. God creates humanity. God created you and me to be with him. He wants to be with his people. Then Adam and Eve sin, and they are put outside of the garden, out of the presence of the Lord, and it's guarded by this angel with swords. And then God starts to reestablish a covenant with Abram and Moses. And Moses even at one point says, God, don't send us out from here. Like, don't send us away unless you go with us. Because your presence is what makes us different and other than the other people. Because the other people, they have money. They have castles. They have livestock. But what do the people of God have? They have God. They have the Lord. And so if the Lord is missing, we're in trouble. And when you look at Ezekiel, the last words of it are a declaration over a people of what God wants to be in their midst. And it's a name, actually, that he's going to give to them. But I kind of push on it like this. When you get to the New Testament, the new covenant, we are in it, and Jesus Christ is born on the earth, fully God, fully man. What's the name given to him? Emmanuel, which means God with us. The point of Christianity's presence is a people, humanity people, being with God. Not around him and not memorizing facts about him, but knowing him. And in knowing him, there's life and healing and purpose and hope. Everything that was supposed to be in the garden is now made possible through the man, Jesus Christ. So here's a question, and it's, it'll mess with you. I could tell actually what background you're from just by this question. If the presence of God was missing from this meeting, would you even know? If God was here, would you know? Is God here? See these questions? These people that Ezekiel are preaching to, they forgot that their most, I'm going to call it a commodity, but it's not a commodity, it's a person, it's Jesus, it's the Lord, was missing. And everything past the moment where the presence of the Lord leaves the temple is just tragedy. And they're sitting tragically broken in Babylon going, woe is us, I want to go home. I want to be with the temple, I want it back, God, and he begins to speak over them. And he had told them that this was happening, because he came to Ezekiel, he says, tell the people everything I'm going to tell you. So he does. He says, if you don't stop with this violence, if you don't start abusing the poor, if you don't stop worshiping idols, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to send you into exile. What happens? God leaves, they go into exile. But God never disciplines his kids without, hey, I'll build it back up. So hear me, God disciplines his kids If you're an earthly dad and you don't discipline your kids, I don't want to be around your kids. Is it too mean? Earthly dads, just don't discipline them and see what happens. Everyone's like, that's a horrible kid. So our heavenly father disciplines his kids. And when he disciplines them, sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. He's like, why are you leaving? Don't leave. And he sends them into exile. But he said, but I got a plan to restore. I have a plan to make it new. I have a plan to make it right. And so you get to Ezekiel chapter 48, it is the very last line, and it's the last line over a whole bunch of boring stuff. I know, like I said, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but it's literally like architect drawings almost. It's like reading an encyclopedia. No one wants to do that. And at the very end, you get a declaration. And the name that he says, it's basically, and that city will be known as Jehovah Shema. And that name means the Lord is there. So what makes the New Jerusalem different? The Lord's there. What makes the temple different? The Lord's there. What makes God's covenant people in the New Testament different than the earth and the world? The Lord is there. But if the Lord's not there, they're not different, they're not other, they're not separate, and there's these ways that we can kind of not even become aware that we're not even in the presence of the Lord. So if I followed you around and I just looked in your home life and I looked at your work life and I looked at your love life and I looked at every part of your life, would I be like, oh, God's there? Does God have a part? Is God the center of your heart and your life and everything you're doing? And I know we're in church, so everybody in here is like a five-star, gold-star Christian, great. Once we stop lying, like what did we actually pursue this week? King David's going to say, the love of God is better than life. The declaration of the prophets and the martyrs and all the Christians for the last 2,000 years, he really is worth everything. So what did you pursue this week? Were you even aware of the presence of God? Because if God is there, everything's different. So Ezekiel says, Jehovah Shema, that's what the city will be called. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Because where they're sitting, the Lord is not there. They're sitting in Babylon going, woe is us. So let me do a little narrative run-up, and you're going to have to flip a bunch. This is more Bible study. This is more teaching than it is preaching. So we'll go teaching, and then I'm going to preach at you. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 10, all right? Ezekiel 10, go to verse 18. This is where you find that what they are missing and the moment that God goes, I'm leaving. Ezekiel 10, 18. And all you have to know is everything we're about to read is highly prophetic and visionary language, which requires some skill in knowing the word of God and knowing the spirit of the Lord and knowing how to interpret things. Because when God speaks in visions, it's not always like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Sometimes you got to look at it and be like, Lord, teach me and under- help me understand. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord and the glory of the, of the God of Israel was over them. And as you start to read this, you realize there's a very horrible thing happening in Ezekiel 10. God's glory and his presence are leaving the very temple that they are supposed to reside in. And they're leaving because he told them it was going to happen. He says, if you keep giving yourself to idols, it just is declaring that you don't want me. So I'll leave. And he does. And it's a very prophetic vision. I mean, he's seeing these creatures and these wheelie things over the earth. But then the spirit of the Lord comes out from the house. The house is the temple. And now the people of God are missing the very thing, that the only thing that separates them. God's presence. So now they got a problem. And from that moment on, it's just bad to worse. But God doesn't lead them in bad. He doesn't lead them in worse. He says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to restore this. And that's where you get to Ezekiel chapter 40. Turn over to Ezekiel 40 verse 4. We're going to go from 40 to 43 to 40. We're just going to walk through the last 10 chapters of Ezekiel. And you'll see what God proclaims over them, because I think he says some similar things over us. And then you'll also see... What happens if God is in the midst of a people? What flows from that place? Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 4. Look with your eyes and hear with your ears and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you. Tell the house of Israel everything you see. God comes to a man, Ezekiel, says, I'm going to show you what the restoration looks like. I need you to declare it to the people. Because God has a plan to restore, and I love this about God. I don't think there's a situation in this room represented by any of you that God can't restore. So my favorite thing to say to you is even if you were on a bender all night at Brick Street last night and somehow stumbled into church and were like, church, Jesus can take that life and make it for his glory. And he can take dead things spiritually and make them very alive. So I don't care if your marriage is a hot mess and you're hiding it. I don't care if you're enslaved sexually. Jesus can take that away from you and make you new. This is what God does. You have a people who aren't a people anymore who are broken and going, we, woe is us. We don't have a temple. We don't have a city. We aren't even really a God's people anymore Does he love us and God goes, oh, I do love you and I'm gonna restore you. Listen to my man, listen to my boy Ezekiel. He'll tell you how. Verse 40, or Chapter 43, go to verse one. Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east, and the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. So the very first thing he tells Ezekiel to tell the people who's coming back home, God is. God's glory is coming back, and it's shimmering, and there's water, and there's stuff. You're like, is that what it sounds like? I hope God comes like that in this room. Like, <laughs> You're like, that'd be awesome. Waiting on it. Okay, so the glory of the Lord, God himself is coming back to his people. That's the best news they could get. Not, hey, you're going to be financially restored. They will be. Not, the temple will be rebuilt. It will be. Not that there will be walls around the city again. You'll be safe. That's, not, that's the less important thing. The very first thing that Ezekiel pronounces over the people, the glory of God's coming back. The Lord himself will come and be amongst the people again. And he continues in verse 7, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever. And the house of Israel shall no more to defile my holy name, neither they nor their kings. By their whoring and by the dead bodies of their kings at their high places. Do you see the picture that God himself is painting? He's like, "I'm going to put the soles of my feet right in the middle of this mountain. And I'm going to live so closely around you that I'm going to like I'm going to be in the in- inner parts of your life. Now if once again, let's pull it 2,000 years to us, more than that, because of, is it, anyway, could I say that about God in your life? Everywhere I look. You know what I want to pronounce over my life? In my child raising, God's there. In my marriage, God is there. In my finances, God is there. Every part of my life, I want to be like, God, be here. And what really, I, I feel it is like we're, we're a people that sometimes we're not even aware of the presence of God. We could care less. Some of us is out of ignorance. We don't even know what that means. If you're from a reform background, you're like, presence, I'll see you in heaven. I'm like, read the Bible. Do we even care that he's not around? And I know we're New Testament covenant believers, so I can even almost see you Bible brains being like, well, Jesus promised in Matthew 28 he'd never leave me or forsake me. This is true. He's true to his promises. He's never left you or forsake you. But are you flirting and giving your life to things he died to free you from? Because I can guarantee you, you can grieve the spirit of the Lord. You can grieve the Savior that died to free you. And it will It will suppress the voice of God. It will suppress the presence of the Lord in your life because He doesn't dwell, He doesn't cohabitate with sin. And some of you, you came to Jesus, rightfully so, and He is the Savior of the earth, and we should gladly come in, and yet you are, I'm going to use the word He just used, whoring around behind God's back. And you're like, that's not a fun message. Go back to the hope and the building, go back to the glory. The glory of the Lord is very available to the people of God. But there's, there's all these messages that we don't like, which are like, well, repent of your sin. Get, get, get away from the idols. Cut them down. Stop giving your heart and your life to anything other than the presence of the Lord. Is that, is that, does that even resonate at all? Like, there's days of the week. You ever have these days where Monday starts and all of a sudden you're like, how did I get to Saturday? You ever have that week? You're like, yeah, every day of my life. When are we, as the covenanted people of God, who have been given great and precious promises by the blood of Jesus, going to say, no, the highest priority of my days is not how much money I made or how good my marriage is. And the greatest priority of my life is the presence of God. And if I get him, all that will actually work out the way it's supposed to. But sometimes I feel like we get in these rooms and we're like, who cares about the presence of the Lord? I do! I do! Ezekiel does. God's like, do you care about me more or other stuff? And I want the declaration this morning to give you a, a permission almost to be like, I want the consuming thought of my day, is God there? Is God there? So here's the thought. If God's presence in this former fashion was on a place on the earth, Albuquerque. Sounds like great, right? I want you all to know that God lives in a house in Albuquerque. Would you want to get on a plane and go with me? Is that a yes? Or we're not quite sure if we want to go meet with God or not? See, this is part of it too, right? We're like, do I? Do I? Do I have enough? You do not. There's always more. This is the beautiful thing about knowing God. But the new covenant, you know what it declares of you? That the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of earth. And a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus once. And Jesus kind of chastises him. Because he's like, you're a Pharisee. You don't understand the things of God? And he's like, well, show me. And he's like, the only way you're going to see the kingdom of God, the only way you're going to see the presence of the Lord, the only way you'll be able to declare that there the Lord is, is if you're born again. Is if God comes and makes something new here spiritually, you will never see it, Nicodemus. And so some of you, you really need God to make you born again. A new spiritual birth. And Nicodemus asked some dumb questions like, well, do I need to get right back up in my mom and get born again? He's like, no, that's weird, stop that. You need me... A very spiritual God. Think about it. He says it. That's going to be weird. John 3. Go read it. Um, you need a spiritual life. You need spiritual eyes. You need me to come and make you new. And some of you, you need God to come make you new. Because you have cared less about the things of God and more about the things of earth. Ezekiel says this to the people. He's coming back and he's going to live on a throne and his soles of his feet will be right here in the midst of his people. That's a good promise. Go to 43 verse 10. As for you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and they shall measure the plan. I'm going to pause right there because verse 11, which we're about to read, is a, an if. It's, it's kind of like you get to choose. So he says, tell them the plan, and then verse 11, and if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple. Why would God do that? Why would God show Ezekiel these are the cubits of the walls? Like this is the I'm skipping massive sections. He shows him a layout, almost architecturally, of a temple that he's going to live in, and then he says, "Go tell the people, but don't tell them the whole plan. If they don't hate their sin." Why would God do that? And I think it's the same for some of us. You're declaring with your mouth, "I want God more than anything," and He's like, "But I see your heart, and you have a choice." You can choose this day to serve me, love me, pursue me, or you can choose this day to give me lip service, but be far away from me in your heart. So which are you? And I can't tell you that. I, I, I don't think any man in here has the ability or prophetic ability to look in your heart, and be like, maybe, but to look into you and be like, nah, his heart's far away from God, but God knows. The Lord sees you more than I have words to give. So he knows the inclinations of your heart. He knows if you're a man of violence. He knows if you're full of lust. He knows if you have greed. He knows these things. And so when we come in here and we go, God, we're people of your presence. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And this is what he puts before the people through Ezekiel. Tell them that I want to live in their midst. But if they hate their sin, then tell them how to get it to happen. So are we a people that hate our sin? That He actually uses the word ashamed of their iniquities that we want nothing to do with the deeds of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. We want everything to do with the glory and the majesty of God. That's a hard, that's a hard ask. Because I live in a real world, do you? And it seems like some days, just driving down the road, even on Miami's campus, there's distractions everywhere. You got it. It seems like everywhere I go and every website I go to, there's something that's like, hey, pay attention to this. And God's like, no, 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 pay attention to me. So what's the inclination of your heart? Because this day, I believe the Lord, if you ask him, and we're going to ask him at the end of this service, God, I want you in every part of my life. I have prayed that he would so fill every part of our lives that woo, you would ooh, have a man or a woman say, God, we want God is there over our marriage. Your marriage will be different. We want God is there over this church. This will be different. We want God is there in my house, with my kids, in my finances, everything. I want you there. And in that declaration of my mouth will actually match my heart. I believe you'll see the glory of the Lord, which is what he's promising in Ezekiel. And and if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangements, its exits, its entrances, that is, its whole design, and make known to them as well all its statutes and its whole design and all its laws and write it down in their sight so that they may observe all its laws and all its statutes and carry them out. So I believe God's a good father that does not actually enjoy destroying his kids, but he puts a choice before him. Do you want me or do you want your idols? And he knows they can choose. You can choose. You know that, right? You can choose. Will I honor the Lord today or not? The reason that we are not slaves to sin anymore is because Jesus cut those chains off and now I can say no to sin. You get to choose, which is crazy to me. The spirit-filled Christian has the ability to say to Satan and sin, not today. Not today, Satan, not today. You get to do that because there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everybody that believes. So I get to join God and say, no, God, I want your ways. Some of you are living very defeated lifestyles. I can't say no to that Senate. It owns me. That's not who you are in Christ. That's not the definition of a Christian. And so God says, I'm coming back. Now show them the plans for how I'm going to live among them. And I want you to notice when God comes back, when God is in a place, let's say this. If God was in Albuquerque and we went there, what would flow from there? What's what's around God? What would happen in a city? What would happen in a church? If God was there, what would flow from it? What would come out of it? What would be the fruit? Now, you could go basic like, I know the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I know you know that. So if I was to ask you, is the evidence that God is in your life flowing from your life? Is love and joy, peace and patience, and kindness, goodness, graciousness, self-control—all that stuff—is it all flowing out of you? Some of us are like, "Well, no. Hasn't been for years." Well, God's not there. Invite Him in. And so, what you'll see starts in verse 45 or chapter 45, verse 9. He's going to list about three things that are going to flow from a people that God is with them. Verse 40, chapter 40. I keep saying verse, but chapter 45, verse 9. Give up your violence and oppression and do what is just and right. Stop dispossessing my people. Use accurate scales and measures. So you see how when God is in the midst of a people, it doesn't always just equal like, "Ah." it actually equals things like stop lying on your taxes. Crazy, right? That following God might actually end up in real life on the ground stuff. That you will not be a people of violence anymore. You won't be filled with rage and anger anymore because God is there. You'll be filled with peace and calm and love. You won't be holding oppression over people. You'll do what is just and right. So if God is in the midst of a people, justice and righteousness flow after it. If God is there and a people's heart is attached to the Lord, justice will flow. Righteousness will flow. A good thing, like your business will be outstanding. Even when it hurts you, you'll tell the truth. This is things that follow a people whose hearts are not attached to the world but attached to the God of the Bible. He continues, verse 47, and it is very charismatic language and people have different interpretations of this. He begins to talk about river. So the coming of the presence of the Lord brings this river that flows out of the temple. Uh, Chapter 47, verse 1. I like page turning. I can hear it. I love that. Good. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And get this in verse 9. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh so that everything will live wherever the river goes. Now, if you want to read this prophetically, some people believe this is a real thing that's going to happen one day in a physical space and time. But what you'll notice, and this is what I think is more important, we can fight about physical things and visions later, is what flows from God is healing, life, hope. This river that flows starts where? At the temple, at the altar of God. Where God dwells. So, what flows from God is life and healing, and everywhere it goes. And in fact, it goes, if you keep reading, all the way to the Dead Sea. Something's really fascinating about the Dead Sea it is dead, no life. But then God's river flows into the Dead Sea, and it's alive teeming with wildlife, and everywhere that it goes, there's going to be these nations that are going to come and drink. There's going to be this wildlife that's going to come and be fed. There's going to be this whole valley that's going to be full of life, because from God flows life. Now, here's the thing. I don't even have to read it prophetically. Jesus shows up on the earth, the God-man, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. And he stands in the temple at one point, And he says, whoever drinks the water that I'm giving will never thirst again. In fact, from that man or woman will flow streams, rivers of living water. So here we are living in the age where that should be the truth of our life. Out of me is flowing living water. Out of me is flowing healing and life and hope. And everywhere I go, water. I don't know what that was. That was like cooing of a dove. I don't know. So if I was to follow you around, is that true? Because we're saying God's there. We're saying God's with me. We're saying all that. Could it be, though, we've maybe betrayed ourselves a little bit, and we are a little infatuated with the earth, and we need to pull back and say, God, I repent. I want your presence more than I want pleasure. I want you in the midst of us more than I want comfort. I, God, I want the declaration over this church to be God is there. Because what flows from it is no violence, no oppression, equal scales, honesty, life, healing, this river, And even Jesus talks about these rivers. And then the last one, uh, chapter 47, verse 23, he begins to talk about those outside of that family. In whatever tribe the alien settles, there you are to give him his inheritance. So he says, not only for you all, but for people that are outside, when they come in, feed them, bless them, they too, because of you, because God is in your midst, will know this God. Now, you could take this however you want on any political scant you want, but I just believe it's like those outside the family of faith should be welcomed in and showed, showed the kindness of the Lord. In whatever tribe the alien settles. So when we bring outsiders in, you know what we want them to encounter? They said Jesus up here. You might not have heard them. Not good coffee not good smelling, collared shirt wearing people, you're great, I love you, we want them to encounter God is surely in that place. God is surely there. I met God there. God met me at Cobblestone. And the only way that happens is when a people, not a person, not two or three of it, but a people go, we are serious about that one thing. We want God to dwell in our midst. And that requires work, that requires repentance, that requires accountability, that requires so many levels of like, I'm going to get serious about this, and I'm not going to let you run after porn, and I'm not going to let you gossip, and I'm not going to let you slander, and if I harm you or hurt you, I'm going to come to you, and we're going to have some really hard conversations. You want to know the glory of God dwells in the midst? That whole equip thing, when we start forgiving and healing and walking in unity, the glory of the Lord will fall in this place. And you all are like, he just went full charismatic. I did. I felt my blood pressure raise. So... Um, that, after all of that The glory leaves God says I'll restore God's glory reenters the temple He says when I dwell in your midst There will be healing and righteousness and justice and goodness Then and only then in verse, chapter 48 verse 35 He says after all that The city will be called The name of the city from that time on Shall be The Lord is there The Lord is there And I felt that all week The Lord is there Like, I want people to look at your life and be like, what's weird about you? be like, the Lord is here. (laughs) Like, right? Because that's the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God coming on earth. God does not live or dwell in temples built by human hands. God indwells temples. The spirit of the living God of Jesus Christ is living and dwelling in every, every believer in this room. Therefore, you are the dwelling place of God on the earth. So if this church, bur- this building, not this church, not you all, this building burns down tonight, you know what we still have? A church. Because you and I are the church. The people of God on the earth bringing the kingdom healing power of God and the reality that God is here to the earth. That's the church. And so as we look at this today, I want to apply it. And I, I really only have two. Um, and, and the first is this. We actually really do believe in a moment when you will physically be in the presence of God in heaven one day, just prepare for the turnaround trip because the new creation, not going there today but ADD kicked in real hard when we talk about knowing God, when we talk about the presence of God, um, I I think there's a lot of us that are going to be really, really you can't wait to get to heaven but you don't even, even enjoy God now I, that's the only way I know how to say it. I sounds like kind of harsh. Like you're like, I can't wait to get there one day. I want nothing to do with him now. All of heaven is about one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? God, Jesus, Yeshua, the lamb, whatever. It, it's not you. And so some of you, when I talk about the presence of the Lord and there is God, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You need to find out. You need to let God show you in his word that he is real that there's a reality to the kingdom, that his presence is tangible, that it's not just one day I hope I get to heaven so I can have a gold road with a nice gold house. That's not the promise of heaven. The promise of heaven is God is there. So if you want to go to heaven one day, I'd start enjoying God now. And the promise is now we get to enjoy God. Now we get to know God's voice. Now we get to have his word. Now we get to build his kingdom. Now there's a work to do. Now, when then, the work will be done. And I'll be able to sit and be like, God, I love looking at you. This is the message of those weird creatures Ezekiel sees. You know that, right? The eyeball creatures that we're all like, that's weird. It's weird. The Bible's weird sometimes. You know why they're always singing, holy, holy, holy? Because it's almost like all those eyeballs catch a different view of God. And every time that other, another new eyeball sees God from another angle, they're like, wow, you're still holy. And then the other eyeball's like, Holy, holy. Holy, that's all they do all day. When you're in heaven, you will be in awe in the love of God so fully that you'll be like, wow, wow, wow. None of this harp, halo, pansy crap. No, literally, wow, the God is awesome. And there will never be, an, there'll be there's not a cap to when you're like, and now I've had my fill. You'll always be like, wow. You'll always be like, wow. It will just be like this beautiful thing. So heaven's a reality. But the presence of God on the earth is also a reality. The kingdom of God is a reality. And the way that we walk this out, we can either acknowledge that and honor the Lord and not quench the spirit and not suppress the truth of God, or we can. So there's a choice before you. You have a choice. You can invite God into every part of your life, or you can say with your mouth, but not with your heart, I want you, but not really. And I don't want to grieve God anymore. And so what I'd like to do is I would like to put you back before the Lord before we take communion and let him deal with you. He's very real. He loves you. He died to actually save you, so he loves you a lot. But sometimes sitting before God is is really the only thing that's going to fix your heart. Jesus is the only one that can make you born again. Jesus is the only one that will heal your marriage. Jesus is the only one. So if you could just get wherever you, wherever you pray or however you pray, I want to put before you one thing. I want you, in a second, if you're willing, to invite God. I, I, God, I want you there. I want you in that part of my life. God, in my life, fully take my life. So Jesus, we just pause after your word just went out. And I invite you, Father, to come and minister to your kids. Would you send your Holy Spirit? I thank you that we already have the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter, but he's also a convictor. Bring conviction. Bring a knowledge of the word, a depth of understanding right now. So church, I'm going to put you before you and I want you to say to the Lord, Lord, search me. Is there any part of my life where you're not there. And then maybe he brings something to mind. And the first step is, you need to say I'm sorry. You need to say I repent, I don't want to live life apart from you. This is repentance, we get to do it. It's a gift because he freely forgives if we confess and repent. And then I want you to go through, if, if your life was a house and each room represented different facets, so your finances, your sex life, your, you know, school life, if this is your heart, all you have to say is, God, I invite you in. Lord, would you come into this room of my house, this room of my life, and I want you, not me, but you, to invite God into every part of your life which will require you to let control of that part of your life go. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.